Welcome to Smart Branding, a podcast dedicated to branding, naming, and domain names. I'm Tatiana Bonneau, and with my guests, we try to help you create and grow strong, memorable, and meaningful brands online. I believe time is one of our most precious assets, and so I want to thank you in advance if you decide to spend the next 30 minutes with us. I promise to do my best to make those worth it. Let's go! So what we do with smart branding is uh, we're trying to create a resource for brands, for brand owners, uh, entrepreneurs about how to get their branding right with mm-hmm. a bit more of a focus on naming uh, domain names and, and generally yeah, the, the branding and naming process. Um, so I guess if we get started, tell me a little bit more about yourself. Mm-hmm. Oh. So... Yeah, yeah. So my name is Elena. I um, am an entrepreneur and an engineer. I have a master's in computer science. So I did start in a very technical field and then realized that while I like love technology, I really love technology applications more. So I decided to use my background to start a company called Clothia which is a curated marketplace for emerging fashion designers. So what we do is we find smaller under the radar designers from all over the world. We bring them to the US and we introduce them to the American consumer. Uh, We have about 150 designers on the platform right now. They're incredibly talented. They come from 25 different countries around the world, Europe, Asia, Africa, uh, we're working on adding Latin America, and um, our designers have been worn by celebrities like Lady Gaga, Bella Hadid, Priyanka Chopra. So even though they're still kind of under the radar, they're definitely uh, very talented and uh, have a big future ahead of them. Wow, that's, that's very cool. And how long ago did you start? So we've been around for a bit. We officially launched them in 2019 and um have been growing since so oh that's yeah that's actually not that long for for the sort of success that you have that's impressive how did you come up with the name clothier Mm -hmm. so i wanted something that's catchy so when you see it you remember and i also wanted to make sure we have a dot com and um that's why when we came up with the name i looked at availability I checked uh, trademarks because I think a lot of times when people create a brand name, they try to sometimes to concatenate a few words. And uh, when you Google search something, then you have so many other options that come up. So Mm -hmm. we wanted to have something that'll be easy to remember, especially once you see it. Uh, And um, something that will not have a lot of conflicting results on Google. Um, or in the trademark search. So that's how we came up with clothia.com. And um, it's a short word. It's um, a word that sounds uh, like an English name of some sort. And I think when people hear it, they do understand that it's something having to do with clothes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it is It is quite original at the same time. At the same time it does communicate for what it is about. But also, I like the fact that it's not limiting to something because you have people mm-hmm. trying to get creative or to get a .com, like you mentioned, then they add words. Like you have people adding something, I don't know, dresses or something, scarves, or and, and then mm-hmm. you're locking yourself into that category where, um, in your case, you're pretty open to anything in that space. 
which mm -hmm. is pretty, pretty cool. Right. And, and you mentioned it was important for you to get the .com. Why is that? Um, I think still in the US, um, the .com, especially with people who are not Web3, like right now with Web3, um, there are a lot of domains that are .xyz and that are a little bit more inventive. But I think for the general American consumer, especially for people who um, shop online for consumer goods, I think .com still instills a lot more trust in the company mm. versus a .co. And I think people just immediately think of a .com when they think of a domain name, for better mm. or worse. Sure. It, it has been my experience as well. Yeah. How has the pandemic affected your business? So I think um, having a good name is very important. And um, I think having a short, um, unique um, name that resolves in a .com um, has been super helpful versus, mm. I don't know, modern dresses, best mm. shop.com or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you own any other names? Uh, excuse me? Do you own any other names? Um, I have a few other domain names and brand names, yes. Okay. I'm not going to ask you what they are. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. How, who is your typical or ideal customer? Well, women who are very fashionable, who are not afraid to take fashion risks, who love um, buying fashion-forward pieces and uh, wearing them out. We have a lot of women uh, for whom clothier is a bit of a reach. So usually maybe they'll buy H&M, but then they'll splurge in a clothier piece. Usually mm -hmm. our price point is around two, $300 on average. We also have a lot of women who shop very high-end brands. So they'll buy Chanel, they'll buy Gucci, and then they'll come to clothier and then they'll just buy a bunch of items because they say, oh my gosh, it's uh, so much better $300 than $3,000 for a similar type dress that we would buy mm. from a very luxury, high-end luxury brand. So we kind of have both, but I think what unifies them is the love of fashion and the desire to take fashion risks because we don't carry a mm. lot of simple items. We don't carry a lot of items that are like a black turtleneck with no embellishments. Mm. Uh, we do have a lot of pieces that are very unique and statement pieces. I love that phrase, take a fashion risk. I haven't heard that before, but I think you can definitely play with that. It's, it's really like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, I like that. <laughs> and you mentioned you have, um, like the, the, the key thing is you work with designers that are not like mainstream, they're not known yet. How do you mm -hmm. select them? So we have a curation process. So we look at quality we look at styles and we look at responsible manufacturing, which means that we want to work with designers that have their own unique point of view. So they're not just copying whatever the big brands like Gucci or Chanel are showing at their runway shows. We want to make sure that the items are of good quality. So again, we look at stitching, we look at fabrics, we look at manufacturing. And responsible manufacturing, again, we don't ask that everything is 100% sustainable, but we ask that designers do take care about the supply chain, that they do confirm that it's not just mass produced in somewhere where it's offshored with um, really 
dismal working conditions for the people who actually manufacture things. So we do care about that. And most of our designers manufacture in their countries of origin where they have a small atelier or they just kind of have a small studio. Sometimes they work with um, artisan collectives somewhere else. So we have a few mm -hmm. designers that work maybe with an artisan collective in Chile or in Morocco or in Nigeria where they support um, kind of local sustainability initiatives. So that is also okay. But we don't like to work with uh, people who just uh, create a concept and then shop around to mass produce it somewhere mm -hmm. just because it's the cheapest um, solution. Mm -hmm. Okay. And how would somebody who, who wants to be, um, who wants to sell on your platform, how would they go about it? Yeah, so usually uh, we have a designer form. Um, so we have a couple of people on the team who just uh, source and curate uh, new designers. So if a designer is interested, they can write to us, they can send us some samples of um, their work. So whether it's a lookbook or a line sheet, and uh, then we take a look, decide if it's uh, potentially fit, and then uh, continue the conversation. So a lot of times we have the designers who email us um, who are interested. We also actively source designers. We used to go to trade shows before mm -hmm. the pandemic um, when they were in person. And now we just look at Instagram. We uh, get some referrals from our existing designers or from our customers. So it's kind of like a multi-pronged process. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you mentioned the pandemic. Has it affected you in other ways other than obviously mm -hmm. the trade shows were over? Yeah, so we actually have a lot more um, demand from designers who want to be on our platform because I think um, everybody in the fashion industry has been really hard hit since mm -hmm. the boutiques and um, biggest stores have been closed for a long time or even when they are reopening. A lot of people feel hesitant to shop mm -hmm. in person and trying things that maybe have been tried on by other people. So mm. online shopping has been really great. And I think we've seen kind of expedited growth from that, especially in the amount of designers that we have on the platform. And uh, for the customers, I think, again, people who might have been hesitant to shop online before, they're much more eager to do that now. And they're much mm. more excited to go online and shop and um um, especially now the travel is limited and we do represent designers from countries like Georgia or Armenia mm -hmm. or Korea, you know, or Nigeria, places may maybe where you would have gone before, but um, based on closures of the borders and just additional difficulties and risks with travel, people are much more eager to shop somewhere interesting and unusual than they mm -hmm. were before. Yeah, that's nice, actually. I haven't thought about it that way. Mm -hmm. uh, now that you said it, it, it is bringing a piece of that country, a piece of that culture. So mm -hmm. it is a, yeah, it is a, like a little window to it. So that's really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's nice. I like that. Uh, well, you had, um, correct me if I'm wrong, you had an NFT dress, no, on Clothia? Mm -hmm. Correct, Tell me about yes. that. Yeah, because that's why it's like so, hot and <laughs> Yeah, so I'm super excited about Web3. And mm -hmm. um, as you know, we've seen the evolution of uh, Web1, which was kind of the 90s where we had HTML and very simple websites. 
Then we had social, which was web two. So Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, but they've all become really big platforms. And it's really hard for creators to connect to consumers directly because even for us now, when we're trying to help brands get discovered, we are kind of beholden to Facebook and Google. They act as the gatekeepers mm. and they really rate limit organic reach. You have to pay for ads to even reach your existing followers, let alone mm. new followers. So That's it's different. been kind of really... Um, frustrating for a lot of creators because they feel like they can't have this direct conversation and direct connection with their fans and their followers, even if people already do know and follow them on these platforms. So mm. Web3 is an exciting new development because it allows for that more immediate connection. And because it's all on the blockchain, it's all public and mm. it's not centralized. So it's not like there is a single company like Facebook or Google that is governing how those conversations and how those connections are created, but it's all on the blockchain. So it's really all decentralized and all open. So it's interesting because people think crypto and the blockchain is something that's hidden. In reality, it's actually the opposite. And I think it's just the word crypto that has that limitation. Mm. But in fact, it's actually super public because it's a public ledger. So anybody mm. can see what's listed. Anybody can see, you know, what the sale price was. It's, it's really fantastic that way. And now a lot of companies are getting structured as DAOs, decentralized autonomous organizations. So it's kind of like a collective that can be governed by a community rather than, again, you know, Facebook or Zuckerberg or somebody who kind of is a singular mm. point of uh, control. So we launched NFTs because uh, we think it's a really great way for our designers to explore that. And especially on some of the newer blockchains, which do not have the energy problems of the older blockchains. So they're actually sustainable and they're green. And if you think about um, where the world is going, right, we are moving from spending a lot of time in real life and uh, wearing actual physical clothes to spending a lot more time online and signaling our belonging to a certain community or status mm. signaling or our aesthetic preferences by things that are different. So maybe it's not mm. in actual dress, maybe it's a virtual dress or a virtual avatar. So mm. NFTs are these virtual goods of different sorts and it can be a dress, it can be a profile picture, it can be a piece of art that's digital. People are using NFTs for access tokens. So for example, if you're a creator, you can sell an NFT like Dolce & Gabbana did that allows you access to their fashion shows. So there are hmm. all these different kind of really interesting applications of NFTs. So we really wanted to be one of the first to launch NFTs and specifically fashion NFTs. So we, um, in, you know, in partnership with our really talented designer partners, launched some NFTs already, which are a blend of physical and digital. So mm. maybe if you buy a dress that's custom made for you, you also have a proof of that creation on the blockchain, and you can also use that in the metaverse. And uh, mm. we're also launching uh, more NFTs that are more accessibly priced that are purely uh, virtual items. So some mm. of it is art, um, some of it is uh, virtual 
clothing items that you can wear and you can take around with you in the metaverse. Again, it's very, very early, uh, which I think is so very exciting because I think there's so many different applications that we haven't discovered yet. Like when we mm. first got the iPhone, we didn't know that we were going to be using it for Uber and for Lyft and, you know, to call, um, to have our food delivered. <laughs> Was no, everything minutes? now, yeah. I mean, it's, yes, a, it's a struggle yes. to think what you can do. Like it's a shorter list if you list what you can do mm -hmm. without it. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. <laughs> so, yeah, so I think it's, uh, I think it's similar. We're very much at the beginning of the development of Web3. I think when we're thinking today about the possible applications, we just can't even imagine all the other applications that'll come out in the next five years. Mm. It, it is so. very, yeah, it is exciting. It's, it's funny when you were saying, I haven't thought about it that way, but when, when you were saying um, that it, this type of technology and where we headed would allow more for that direct connection between creators mm -hmm. and their audience without having to pass by third parties like Google and Facebook and all the social media. Um, and I was listening to a podcast recently as well by um, Netflix founder, Mark Randolph. Mm -hmm. um, he has a great podcast where he is advising entrepreneurs on um, how to manage their, their, their businesses and how to solve their problems. And he was saying a similar thing. He was in one of his latest podcasts, he was talking with an entrepreneur who's struggling with um, monetizing his YouTube channels. Mm -hmm. And it was a similar thing. And, and Mark Randall said something that I was like, yeah, that's very obvious. Like, why are we thinking about it more? Because he was saying like the basic principle of those networks is you bring followers on their platforms and then mm -hmm. they charge you to access your followers. Exactly. And what's what's even worse is they can even decide what they view of your content mm -hmm. and how they mm -hmm. view it. It's just like crazy. Um, and, and yeah, as you say, that the, those new technologies would allow for, for that um, middleman to not be needed. But that's also how I've always seen domain names. It, it's mm -hmm. just, it has always been like a big question in my head, like, yeah, but you can drive those people to your domain names and on your mailing list. And then, mm -hmm. you, you know, then you own your audience. Mm -hmm. But I guess Absolutely. in the short term, when you're a smaller brand, when you're starting out, it's, you know, it's much easier to put like a couple of hundred to thousand dollars in advertising mm -hmm. uh, and, and try and get things moving this way. But it's important. Well, to, you still have yeah. to get discovered. Um, you mm. still have to get discovered somehow because how are people going to find out about your domain mm. name if you're starting from zero, right? Exactly. They don't know you yet. You don't have a mailing list and uh, people still need to find it. And it used to be that people would Google, let's say, red dress uh, for a party and mm. they would get search results that are actually relevant to your search query. But nowadays you get the search results that paid the most money to be displayed mm -hmm. on top, not yep. the search results that are most relevant. And Google is very, very actively suppressing a lot of the smaller results. So it's actually um, a bad problem where like the rich get richer. And if you're a small entrant, um, regardless of how great your content is, it's really, really mm. hard to break through. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think that's the, the key thing is you have to see it for what it is. So you, mm -hmm. you have to use it and you absolutely should use all of those platforms, mm -hmm. at least the way I see it. And you should do great content and deliver value, obviously. But um, that 
that that's like once you get those clients they should be like next time mm -hmm. they should be going directly to clothia.com I mean, mm -hmm. why should they be going through any other channel? And it, it just doesn't mm -hmm. make any sense. And and yeah, a lot of people miss that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cool. Um, what else? What's next? You mentioned the NFTs that you're, mm -hmm. you're working on launching. So that's exciting. Yeah, what so we're working on launching the NFT marketplace. Well, I mean, that's a big initiative. <laughs> that's very, so that's yeah. like adding a whole another product category essentially and mm. it's not just like you're selling dresses and then you add shoes right which mm. are very similar it's a different infrastructure it's different payments uh, it's different types of products um, it's also awareness so I think we're just uh, very excited about web3 and nfts and uh, growing into that field and again, getting more designer partners um, on board with NFTs, getting more consumers uh, on board with NFTs. So, and um, just expanding and growing. So that's, that's, a, that's a big priority for us. So is there something, cause you, you sound very much like you're, you're not like, I'm, I'm talking about, I'm talking with, sorry, I'm talking with um, branding experts like all over the place in different um, areas of marketing and branding mm -hmm. and naming. But one thing that is very common that we very often touch on is that you have to like if you want to to survive it's not mm -hmm. like it's the basic and obviously thrive in in today's world you, you have to keep moving you have to keep developing you have to keep adapting mm -hmm. to and things are moving very quickly and you seem very much uh very much on top of that like you, you're literally up there doing you know nft dresses so is there <laughs> Is there a, a limit? Like, do you see something as too much, or what would you? Is there a line you wouldn't cross? Like, that's how what I wouldn't do with my brand, like ever. I think for us, the big question is doing things that are ethical and things that are that make sense for us and for our designers. So mm. we would never do something that is just hype and mm. um, that doesn't have like an underlying business reason or an underlying. Um, kind of um, emotional reason or something, you know, just, just to create hype. Like, and I see some brands mm -hmm. sometimes do things and I think they just do it just to drive hype and they don't really care about the initiative itself. So mm -hmm. I think that's something that's super important to us. And then another thing is um, this focus on quality. So again, for us, um, it's really important that Claudia stands for quality, whether it's mm -hmm. in physical items, whether it's in digital items, but we don't want to become this kind of um, everything goes and anything mm -hmm. goes. And sometimes I think when platforms grow, they stop focusing on quality and they focus on quantity. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, when you go on Amazon, a lot of reviews are fake these days because the sellers mm -hmm. pay to have fake reviews because that shows um, their product higher in the rankings. And then when the customer gets it, it's not at all what they expect. So for us, again, focus on quality is incredibly important. And even if that means maybe not growing as much or not making as much money to us, it's definitely trade-off that is um, worth it in the long run because we want to mm -hmm. make sure that our customers know and love us and know that we stand for really great quality and um, really great um, consistency of that quality. Mm. Cool. Yeah, that sounds great. All right. 
I think that that's it. I, uh, mm -hmm. I don't want to hold you for too long. Um, actually, it's not late where you are, is it? It's late here, but whatever. No, it's not late for me. It's late for you. So I it's appreciate okay. uh, the flexibility. No, it's certainly it's certainly fine. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm used to working with people all over the place. <laughs>